Welcome to the Yale University Press podcast. I'm Jessica Hollihan, and my guest today is Sarah Cash, who is Associate Curator of American and British Paintings at the National Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. Sarah, along with Elaine Kilmurray and Richard Ormond, two of the world's leading authorities on all things John Singer Sargent, have co-curated the exhibition Sargent and Spain, which is currently on view at the National Gallery of Art. They've also co-edited the absolutely beautiful accompanying exhibition catalog, also titled Sargent in Spain. In addition to showcasing nearly 150 of Sargent's oil paintings, watercolors, and drawings, the book and the exhibition dig into the artist's deep engagement with Spanish culture, customs, people, artists, music, landscape, and more. Thank you very much, Sarah, for taking the time to talk to us about Sargent in Spain. Happy to be here. Thank you. So John Singer Sargent wasn't the only creative individual of his time to be drawn to Spain and Spanish culture. Would you set the stage for us a little bit in terms of who was traveling to Spain in the later part of the 19th century and into the early 20th century and what kind of place they found when they went? Yes, I'd be happy to do that. So um, certainly, as you say, Sargent was not the only artist uh, traveling to Spain and attracted to, to Spanish culture. There was, in fact, uh, over time in the 19th century, early 20th century, a craze, really a craze for all things Spanish that has been written about beautifully by uh, Richard Kagan in a 2019 book called The Spanish Craze. So Sargent's fellow artists, uh, Manet, Edward Manet, William Merritt Chase, Mary Cassatt, Thomas Aikens, Walter Gay, Robert Henry, um, Mariano Fortuny, even though Fortuny was a, um, a generation earlier than Sargent, and also the sculptor Augustus St. Gaudens are among the uh, among the artists who were very drawn to Spain and traveled there in the late 19th century um, and the early 20th century. So, uh, and collectors like Archer M. Huntington, the founder of the Hispanic Society, uh, of course, was uh, sort of a fanatic, I guess you would say, about all things Spain. And there were writers, of course, artists and writers throughout the 19th century, early 20th century became so interested in Spain. The uh, kind of place that artists like Sargent encountered when they arrived in Spain was, of course, quite different than the Spain we encounter today when we travel there. Travel was not easy. Uh, Sargent arrived in Spain, usually by boat, from Paris, where he held his had his studio until the mid-1880s and after the 1880s in London, when he really relocated to London and lived there and had his studio there. So frequently traveled to Spain by boat from Paris or London, or uh, by boat from New York City in 1895 on his 1895 trip to Spain. Once he was in the country, he traveled quite a bit by train, although the train system in Spain in Sargent's day 
was far less developed than the trains systems elsewhere in Europe. So, uh, in fact, one one guide travel guidebook uh, mentioned that the train stoppages in Spain are frequent and long, I'm quoting, and the delays at junction stations often wearisome and of many hours duration. The secondary stations are often mere hovels. So it gives you a sort of little picture about the train, the train system and how difficult it was. Uh, often also, Sargent traveled overland in the, in, in the countryside in Spain. He rode on horseback, he rode on donkeys, he rode in horse-drawn carriages. In fact, on one trip, he rode on horseback over the mountains from Ronda in Andalusia to Gibraltar, which was about a two-day journey. So uh, other things that artists and writers found in Spain, uh, that's a little bit of an idea about Sargent's travel and how the travel was. Uh, but certainly Spain offered many great things to artists, including the Museo del Prado in Madrid, a pilgrimage point for many artists. But there were many parts of the country that, as I mentioned, were difficult to get to, but attracted Sargent greatly from uh, from his very first trip as an adult in 1879. And so how much... How much time did he spend there over the course of his visit? How, how often did he go and how much time did he spend there over the course of his visits? Yeah, so Sargent actually traveled to Spain once uh, that we know of as a teenager with his American parents who left Philadelphia in, their, in the early 1850s to spend the rest of their lives in Spain as permanent expatriates, I guess you would say. They traveled quite a bit with John and his sisters, Emily and Violet. And on one of those trips uh, as a teenager, uh, Sargent went to Granada. There is an existing uh, drawing and watercolor in the Metropolitan Museum of Art from that trip. As an adult, Sargent traveled to Spain seven times over the course of six different years staying anywhere from a week or so to several months. He traveled to Spain in 1979-1992-1985-1908-1912-1989-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1990-1
with an artist named Carolus Duran, who was Sargent's mentor, his master, his uh, his great teacher. At the towards the end of Sargent's study with Carolus Duran, Carolus Duran said to Sargent, "Now that you uh, have studied with me in my studio." Go study Velasquez, Velasquez, Velasquez. Ceaselessly, <laughs> yeah, ceaselessly study Velasquez. So, Sergeant, being the dutiful student that he was, packed his bags in Paris, uh, 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 went to Madrid, found a boarding house in Madrid, and signed up to be a copyist at the Museo del Prado. And he spent quite a bit of time in October and November of 1879 as a copyist. In fact, it's amazing. The copyist uh, books still exist at the Prado, so we can see precisely which date Sargent was there, what paintings he was copying, what size canvases Sargent brought with him. Uh, They're remarkable archival records. So, And Sargent painted, he didn't make precise copies. I use cop, the word copy as a shorthand. What Sargent was painting were really riffs or interpretations after Velazquez's paintings, about 12 or 13 of them um, that Sargent studied closely in October and November of 1879. He, Carolus Adran encouraged Sargent to study, study les valeurs, the values of Diego Velazquez, the values uh, Velasquez's uh, use of light and dark tones, his very his very loose brushwork. Carolus Duran himself, needless to say, was a uh, was a great fan of Diego Velasquez, and it's very much uh, that is very much why he asked he wanted Sargent to go study study Velasquez in Madrid. And that comes out, uh, it's, it's difficult to describe, I think, by voice, but of course, this uh, great influence on Velasquez, uh, Velasquez's brushwork, his tonal values, his use of light and dark comes out very clearly in, in both Sargent's riffs after Velasquez's paintings of the, in the Prado, but also on other works of art that Sargent made, not only immediately after that first trip to Spain, but also throughout his career. Hmm. So uh, Elaine Kilmarie and Richard Ormond write in the book that of the paintings Sargent produced for the Paris Salon, the most technically radical was a painting called El Jaleo, which has Spanish subject matter. Um, would you talk about that painting and the connection between Spanish themes and a technically radical approach to painting? Yes. So uh, much has been written about El Jaleo, um, arguably one of the, well, it is really the most important uh, painting that Sargent produced as a result of his travels to Spain, an enormous painting about uh, eight, seven or eight feet by uh, tall by 11 feet wide in the, in the collection of the Isabel Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston. Uh, we were unable to borrow the painting for the exhibition, but we do, uh, of course, reproduce it and interpret it in our exhibition galleries, and it is discussed quite a bit in uh, in the exhibition catalog. So in addition to being very, um, very enamored of the paintings of Velazquez, but also Goya and El Greco, I should, I should mention, on his first trip to Spain, 
Sargent was very taken by Spanish music and dance, and particularly flamenco. He made a number of pencil sketches, uh, watercolors, oil sketches, a number of different works, surely in Spain, but also when he returned to his studio in Paris, that depicted flamenco singers and dancers and uh, and musicians, guitarists, for example. In his studio in Paris in the early 1880s, Sargent took all of that raw material and made more studies in Paris, worked with a, a, a model for the painting El Haleo, a known Parisian model, to create this giant canvas uh, depicting a flamenco performance that, uh, and Sargent we feel certain, although Sargent didn't leave behind memoirs or lists or that kind of thing, but we feel certain that Sargent witnessed such flamenco performances either in the caves or cuevas of Andalusia, home, historic homes to the Spanish Roma people, or in Café Cantant, larger, uh, larger venues uh, in which Flamenco was performed. So El Haleo, when uh, which is was uh, technically viewed as very technically radical. In fact, one critic um, went so far as to say, "quote The painting is slovenly and the drawing wretched." Uh, end quote. Uh, it was actually quite uh, drew quite dramatic criticism from the, the French art critics and also from the public, and it was technically ra radical. I think in a sense, it was Sargent's first opportunity. It was not his first uh, painted that he, sh that he showed at the traditional annual Paris Salon, but it was his first opportunity to paint such a large, daring, um, yes, technically radical painting. So with very loose brushwork, and I, I uh, and, and a subject of, again, flamenco dance being performed by by Spanish Roma people uh, in Spain. So I think that one, one reason that the critics were uh, reacted so strongly to this painting and the public was the fact that uh, the painting at this very large scale didn't depict what, what the critics were used to seeing. It didn't depict an historical scene a mythological scene, a religious scene. It depicted a very large scene, depicted in a very large painting, a scene of everyday life performed by dancers in Spain that, uh, that I don't think anyone was used to seeing at this time. And with this very loose brushwork, it was Henry James who called the painting a giant sketch. <laughs> very loose brushwork that Sargent uh, learned from Carlos Duran and had been learning more about in his study of Velasquez. I think it's hard for us to remember or to think in, in 2022 about how a painter like Sargent would have been received in his own day uh, with this very loose brushwork, with these dramatic large-scale subjects like El Haleo and portraits. The the um, his critics and his public were not necessarily used to seeing that kind of thing at all. Right, and and you mentioned his uh, longstanding interest in Spanish dance and music. The the cover of the book, in fact, 
um, shows one of his paintings of a Spanish dancer. What what do we know about um, you know his his personal affection for the the music and dance of Spain? I mean, it was captivating to him visually, obviously, but it, was it something that you know he himself was a musician? I think did he did he learn to play Spanish music? Was that Yes, uh, that's a that's a very good question. Yes, so Sargent was in fact a musician, a very accomplished pianist, and at one point in the mid eighteen eighties, uh, I believe he actually considered after after he showed uh, his great painting, Madame X, uh, his uh, portrait of Amélie Gautreau, Mrs. Pierre Gautreau at the Paris Salon was also roundly criticized by by critics just a few years after uh, he showed El Haleo. I think at that point, uh, Sojin had a big re-examination of his career and thought, in fact, at that point that he might become a concert pianist in, instead of continuing his career as a painter. He did not, I'd say, lucky for us. <laughs> he did. He was able to perform very, very complicated compositions. I do think that he played Spanish music on the piano. He um, he also he was very well versed in music, in language, in art. Spoke something like five languages, primarily as a result of his very unusual upbringing. He never attended. Uh, school per se. His education came more in the travel around Europe that he did with his parents, uh, seeing things, learning about things in a very, uh, very untraditional way. So interestingly, Sargent also owned uh, a number of flamenco records. He was very passionate about flamenco music. He gave those flamenco records. He often played them in his studio when he was painting portraits, many of his um, society portraits that we know very well. He gave those flamenco records to Isabella Stewart Gardner, and they are, they are digitized in the Gardner Museum's collection. And happily, in the exhibition that accompanies the, uh, the Yale University Press book, uh, Visitors to the exhibition can scan a QR code and later listen to the flamenco records that Sargent collected, which is kind of an amazing thing. So he loved Spanish music and dance. And yes, the painting on the cover of the book is a wonderful, very fresh painting of a Spanish Roma woman that I am sure that Sargent made in Spain, it is very difficult. Uh, the chronology of Sargent's work is rather difficult. He rarely signed and dated works of art. We do know, of course, when he exhibited major paintings like El Haleo publicly, so we can we can work on dating from that from that regard. But the painting that is on the cover of the book, I think, shows his real empathy for and and love of Spanish dancers and Spanish dance, his empathy for dancers and his empathy for the Spanish Roma people who were performing flamenco in Spain and still do today perform flamenco in Spain. Um, So I hope that's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Another, um, another visual element of, of life and culture in Spain that, Sargent seemed to find interesting was Spanish religious iconography and painting. Chloe Sharp's essay in the book talks, among other things, about um, Sargent's Boston Public Library murals titled Triumph of Religion. Um, And I'm curious 
what you'd have to say about um, the influence of Spanish religious iconography and painting on both triumph of religion and, you know, just how that work uh, exists in the context of what we know about Sargent's own religious convictions. Yes. So, uh, Sergeant was not a uh, was not a religious person at all. Um, I think he was from from actually the very first trip to Spain on up in eighteen seventy nine on up to his final trip in Spain in nineteen twelve, which was exclusively spent in in Granada and Andalusia. He was very taken by Spanish. Uh, the, the imagery of Spanish Catholicism, particularly in southern pa- Spain, the rituals of Spanish Catholicism, uh, feast days, and that kind of thing, the, the architecture of churches, the uh, incredibly detailed, beautiful altarpieces in churches, crucifixes, Madonnas, uh, f- f- a couple of the paintings in the uh, that we that Chloe Sharp writes about in the book and that are in the exhibition date from that very first trip in 1879. Uh, That interest continues over time. It's interesting because I think, uh, although Sergeant was not a religious person, he was very, very taken with, uh, with this remarkable imagery with, with paintings, with uh, uh, gold leafed, frames uh, in in altar pieces again with the sort of pageantry and procession that a lot of these religious images involve, involved uh, after he received the commission to paint the Boston Public Library murals that by his choice were on the topic of the triumph of religion sergeant began to be uh, to he began to focus quite a bit more on religious imagery on his trips to Spain. So the trips in uh, 1895, in particular 1908 and 1912, uh, he was paying rather closer attention to churches and altarpieces and Madonnas and crucifixions because he knew that he was studying in a way capturing in a way the raw material that he would use back in his studios to in his studio in London to work that work those details that raw material into the finished murals uh, that he was painting in his studio in London on canvas he had life-size armatures made in his studios so that he could paint the canvases there uh, which was uh, quite a remarkable thing. Then they were later, of course, they're transported to Boston in stages. So I've had conversations with a number of people who, uh, who actually one person not that long ago that I can remember, someone who is from Seville, who told me, she's, uh, this is just a few months ago, she said, I'm not Catholic and I live in Seville, but you can't help but be, uh, but by, you cannot help but to be taken up and engaged and so involved and so moved by 
the Spanish Catholic imagery there in churches and in the cathedral and by processions like the Semana Santa, the Holy Week processions that happen every year before Easter. And I think that very much describes what Sargent's reaction was to this imagery. Uh, Not only was he painting and drawing religious imagery that fed into the Boston Public Library murals, the Triumph of Religion murals. He was also collecting, I think it's important to remember, and Chloe Sharp points this out very clearly, he not only was using his own work as, as what I call raw material to put into this creative mixing bowl as he was working on the Triumph of Religion murals, he also was collecting collecting things. He was an inveterate collector of uh, photographs, for example, hundreds and hundreds of photographs by Spanish commercial photographers that he put in scrapbooks, or he kept them loose, for example. Hundreds of those loose photographs were donated to the Victorian Albert Museum in London by Sargent's sisters the year after his death. The photographs depict uh, altarpieces, sculptures, uh, interiors of churches, Holy Week processions. And so Sargent was collecting those, looking very carefully at them. We also know that he collected uh, antiques from time to time, and he would also advise his friend Isabella Stewart Gardner about antiques that he would see in Spain. And reproduced in the book and also in the exhibition is a wonderful little relief of a Madonna with a a blue cope, a blue, uh, a blue dress, and a half moon under her. And we, I sort of, in a sense, rediscovered that object in the home of one of John Singer Sargent's descendants in London and learned that it, in fact, had descended in the artist's family. And I believe it's something that Sargent bought in an antique shop in Madrid, and he saw it looked at this Madonna figure and thought, I'm working on these murals about the triumph of religion. So this is a very interesting object that I want to buy and add to my thinking, my creative process, to the photographs that I've collected, to the works of art that I've been making over the course of all of these visits to Spain. And to use all of that, um, I, I believe that was his thinking, to, to kind of create, use that imagery that he both made and collected as he was producing these murals in Boston. It's a fascinating essay that Chloe Sharp has written uh, on this topic. It is absolutely fascinating. And I'd like to end on a question that I hope, you know, given uh, the difficulty in nailing down the specifics of Sergeant chronology and the fact that he didn't leave uh, memoirs isn't an unfair one, but I'm curious, you know, given the, the length of time over which Sargent traveled to Spain, um, was fascinated with Spain. He, he referred to it at one point as a Spanish fever. Mm-hmm. Did, did the relationship evolve or change over that period of time, do you think? And if so, in what ways? Uh, yes, his, his, his relationship with relationship with Spain definitely changed over time. Uh, there were very, the first trip had a very specific purpose, of, as we've discussed, of, of studying works by Velázquez and other uh, historic Spanish painters in in Madrid. And I think over time, he just became more and more connected with and enamored 
of the country. And I, I believe that to be true. He, he just kept wanting to go again and again. And a few times, as we see in letters to other people, which most of which, of course, have been preserved, we read about him writing, uh, excuse me, we read his letters and read uh, that Sargent is planning to go back. He's planning trips. So he's always trying to, he, he does, of course, travel many other places. He spends lots of time uh, in France, in Switzerland, in the Alps, in Italy. He goes to Egypt. He goes to Morocco. He goes to lots of places. But he does, uh, on several occasions, write about how much he wants to return to Spain. And some of those trips, you know, had very particular purposes. The, the trip, two trips to Mallorca in 1908, uh, he had never been to Mallorca. He knew that there were artists and writers living in Mallorca, and he thought it would offer an amazing opportunity for him to see that island, paint on that island. Uh, so, uh, and then as, as we've also discussed, his work on the Triumph of Religion murals, kind of, um, that was also a great inspiration to him. But but I think that he was painting so many different subjects over the course of those seven visits as an adult that uh, that it's hard to say he was focused with with the exception of that first trip it's hard to say that he was focusing on one thing or another I think he was truly like a sponge someone who was so interested in everything around him but in this the landscape the the Spanish people the Spanish Roma people animals architecture whether it was the cuevas of the Spanish Roma people and Andalusia, or beautiful Renaissance uh, uh, architecture and gardens and fountains of the Renaissance palaces around Madrid. All of these different subjects drew him uh, to Spain over the years. So um, his relationship did change over time, but it's, uh, it's, I think it's hard to, in a sense, articulate precisely the reasons uh, that that happened. We know, for example, also when he uh, returned from Mallorca the second time in 1908, he writes about wanting to go back again. I just think that he, um, and he had so many demands on his time. I think that's the important thing to remember is that uh, he did travel quite a bit, but most of, much of his travel was to uh, travel for portrait commissions. Uh, up until the first years of the 20th century, traveling all over Europe, in the UK, in the US, to paint these formal portraits of, generally speaking, wealthy people for which he was best known. And I think after about 1907 or so, when he famously said to a friend, no more portraits, P-A-U-G-H-T-R-A-T-S, <laughs> that he felt like he was he was hoping to free himself up a little bit more to, to travel. And from that point on, of course, he did paint more portraits, he did receive more commissions, but he also focused much of his attention on uh, making charcoal drawings of, of many of many people and on travel. And it was only one year later after that, that quote of 1907, that Sargent makes those two trips to Mallorca. And I think there's actually sort of a um, sort of sense of freedom in his paintings of Mallorca that he's feeling uh, as he gets a little bit later into the 20th century is, is less 
tied to um, to that very grueling work, but very important work that he did as a society portraitist. Well, we are all certainly the beneficiaries of his interest in Spain. The artwork in the exhibition and the catalog is spectacular. And I thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about it. I'm so glad to have had the chance to speak with you, Jessica, and I hope people really enjoy the book and all of the hard work that went into the book uh, and that maybe they'll have the chance to see the exhibition before it closes in Washington on July 2nd, excuse me, July, January 2nd, 2023. And then it goes on to uh, the Legion of Honor in San Francisco from February to May of 2023. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Excellent. I've been talking with National Gallery of Art curator Sarah Cash about the book and exhibition, Sargent in Spain. Uh, The book, Sargent in Spain, is available now wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening. And please visit us online at yalebooks.com for more episodes of the podcast, as well as information about all of our books.